Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that connects you with other Muslim women in tech who share your story, experience, and goals, so you no longer have to feel like the only one like you on your team. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories, and the lessons they learned. Today we're talking to Yuliana, who, mashallah, is amazing and so much fun to talk to. She has such a great story. And actually, since this episode was recorded, she's been promoted to the social media manager at Rice Media, and we're so happy for her, mashallah. I hope you enjoy the show, hope you enjoy her story, and thank you so much for listening. Today on Tech Sister Stories, we are excited to have Yuliana Federica. Yuliana is a multifaceted creative with expertise in graphic design, branding, social media, and content creation across various industries, who believes that thought-provoking content inspires actionable change. She's a digital creator at Rice Media and co-founder of Conversations, which focuses on engaging social change makers around issues concerning the Malay Muslim community. Thank you so much for coming on, Yuliana. Thank you, Grace. It's my honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Alhamdulillah. How about we start at the very beginning and how did you first get into tech? Right. I started out in design school, so I majored in graphic design and branding, and I guess being a graphic designer I think at the time formats were changing as in we were moving from print to like more digital formats and I became attracted to social media as a format of storytelling and I think that really was my first foray into tech and I mean design is also very closely related to tech because of the tools that we use and with social media there are always you know software updates there are always interface updates so it's it's very much tied to tech and, and changing trends. So my first job was actually in a social media marketing consultancy. And I think that's where I really saw the impact of tech because one of the things we did was we taught marketing to solo entrepreneurs or solopreneurs as we would call them because, you know, they're on a tight budget. Some of them are stay-at-home moms. And so we empower them with free apps or like low-cost apps and tools to to help them build and scale their business. So I guess being in that line of work, like I, I really saw how tech uh, has a really huge impact on businesses, on people. But also, I think, I think part of the reason why I was attracted to graphic design and branding in the first place is because it's a form of storytelling. Mm. And the reason why I'm still in the line of doing work in social media is because it's a very interesting place to tell stories. It's accessible to everyone. Anyone can see anything, but of course there's dangers to that, but also there's, <laughs> <laughs> which is another thing we might talk about. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting place to be. It's a tool that's available to everyone. And, and I think I'm always all about making anything as accessible as possible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mashallah. That's amazing. So how we define tech at Tech Sisters is as broad as possible on purpose to include things like graphic design and social media marketing, which definitely have a large tech component. And one of the things that we really try to emphasize is tech isn't just coding. It's such a huge sphere of what you can do and how you can get involved in that space. So there's really space for everybody in all these different disciplines and skill sets. And as you're talking about making it more accessible, I'm wondering what are your thoughts on design tools like Canva and maybe even things like Buffer that do social media scheduling? I haven't said anything about this publicly, but 
I know there are, you know, professionals out there who are really agreeable with having such apps and tools that kind of make it, kind of makes it, everyone can be a designer now, right? But mm. I really think that it's a great move because I think design and tech should be available to everyone, accessible to everyone. And I guess I want to point to this project by a friend of mine. It's called Making Meaning. And what she does is she connects nonprofits with creatives who are willing to do pro bono design or branding work. And I think that's a really great initiative because again, tying back to my work experience, we helped solo entrepreneurs who, who are you know, stay-at-home moms who, who might not have enough resources to build their business. And so I really think equipping people with the tools to empower them to improve their lives, it's, it's always a great thing, you know. And I think as creatives, as professionals, there will always be room for people who have certain specializations so for me like I'm aware that you know anyone can do social media but there is still a lot of know-hows that not everyone knows unless you know you spend a lot of years you know in this industry yeah yeah definitely I think that's a really healthy approach because those groups that you're talking about they just need a logo to get started Right. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. once they get the resources and they have a better idea of what they want to be as a business, then they can go to a, a more experienced designer and refine that and really take it up to the next level. But you still need to get started. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, subhanAllah. And you're talking about storytelling, which, you know, obviously as part of Tech Sisters, I'm all about. So right. one of the things that I'm really interested in is that you focus at Leapat Conversations at making really inclusive storytelling. So what does that look like and how do you do that? I think, first of all, it's just really paying attention to what people are talking about, what people care about, and really observing who's not already having a voice. I think in the first place, we started it because we recognized that our community didn't have much representation in a national space. And that was really us being motivated to include our community in an authentic and honest way. And I think for us, community is really important. So it's really not about us as a platform. It's about the people who come to us, who share their stories with us. So, um, so how we generally operate is we would focus on a certain social issue or certain current affair at a time. For example, the very first thing that we touched on was to allow Muslim women in healthcare to wear the hijab. Mm -hmm. So we kind of, so we, we take a very research and data-based approach, present all this educational material, and then we complement it, which is really important. We complement it with stories from the community. So we were quite surprised that a lot of Muslim women sent in stories, not just women in healthcare who shared stories about how they really struggled with, you know, removing the hijab when they go to the workplace. I remember like even there was, I think a 17 year old girl who said she was on a school break and she was trying to find an odd job. So it was just a really simple job of like warehouse packing, but she was denied the job because they didn't want her to wear the hijab. So you know, these are perspectives that we don't know ourselves that we can only find if we reach out to people. So I think how we try to get to, to be as inclusive as possible is to reach out to as many people as possible. And yeah, so I really think social media really helps in that sense because 
everyone has access to it. Again, you know, we would not be able to meet all of these people and share all of their stories if we didn't have this online platform that's available to them. Yeah, I think that's that's usually how we approach it. So whoever we see online, whoever sees us online, we make it a very safe space. I think one of the things that we prioritize actually on our platform is safety. We want it to be a safe space because mm-hmm. it's online, it's unregulated. So one of the first things we did was to actually set guidelines. So in terms of mission, so, you know, if you're not being respectful, if you're using hate speech, we have a right to remove you or ban you from our, from our page. And I think that has really helped to create a safe space on social media, which is really rare, but I really do hope that social media can be seen as a place to, to have, you know, such conducive environments for discussions, to to learn about different communities and different people. I think social media can be a place that's inclusive, that's accessible to everyone, you know, although I think now because social media is very much unregulated, it can be seen as like a very dangerous and unsafe place where hate speech thrives. But yeah, I think we've been pretty successful in keeping social media a safe space. And yeah, that's something I'm really, I'm really proud of. It's really, it is something to be really proud of because it, it definitely is a very intentional, it takes right. work to create that, the cultivate that space. Alhamdulillah. But I'm glad that you brought up the hijab issue because I, I saw that when I was researching you preparing the questions and I wasn't aware that that was an issue in Singapore. So um, yeah, I, I appreciated seeing those stories and expanding my own worldview. I think that when people support policies against hijab wearing in public spaces, they aren't aware or they don't have empathy for the ramifications of what happens. I think one of the reasons that they always cite is that it liberates women and they just are not clicking with actually when women are staying at home because they can't work. Mm -hmm. You're excluding people out of the conversations. Exactly. Yeah, subhanAllah. I think actually, so it's been going on since I was young because I remember when I was maybe 10, my mom came home and she said, oh, I didn't get the job because they didn't want me to wear the hijab. And as a kid, I didn't understand that. I told like, just get another, just find another job, you know? Yeah, what's the problem? But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as I grew older, I realized it's, it's, it's an unspoken thing. I don't think there's, it's written. I don't think it's a written policy, an official policy, mm. but it just, I guess from the healthcare sector, like, I guess the public facing sector, like it's generally not accepted for you to wear the hijab. And because I guess private sectors just kind of follow that and schools kind of follow that as well. Everyone looks to the public sector as an example, I I guess. And so it just became an an unspoken thing that, oh, I don't really want you to wear the hijab. And even if I don't have a good reason for it, it's okay because everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We We have a bunch of people in Texas who are in France and who talk about their experience with the hijab. We have somebody who did a PhD in France, but she wasn't allowed to teach. As part of her PhD, normally you're supposed to teach, but because she was wearing hijab, they wouldn't let her do that. So of, of course she missed out on that experience and that part of her PhD. And she was also saying, and we've heard this from other Texas students, that it's very normal in a job interview to be asked if you plan on wearing your hijab. And yep. if you do, you know, that's it, interview's over. Yep. 
which is crazy. <laughs> it's it crazy. is, it is. I mean, for for me personally, I've actually never experienced this before. So sure. hearing all of these stories was really surprising, you know, from from my close friends to, you know, women who are much older than me in, in every industry possible. Mm-hmm. And through this, I recognize my own privilege. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure why I haven't gotten it, but I guess on my part, I want to use my privilege so that other women don't have to go through such workplace discrimination anymore. You know, I think everyone deserves a fair chance at work, which I have been privileged to have. And I really think that I've only gotten this far in my career because for some reason, I've been afforded the privilege as, as a Muslim, as a minority woman to just do my job. I guess... I feel like I'm supposed to anticipate it, mm. but it's also another thing where you, as a minority, you can't really tell if someone's really, say, being racist against you or if they're being Islamophobic against you or if they're just, you know, a bit rude. <laughs> I think, I think I've had certain experiences where people, you know, ask me like, oh, why do you wear the hijab and why does she not wear the hijab? Why do you eat halal food and why does he not eat halal food? And, you know, I think it's it's a bit difficult sometimes to discern between these two, but I choose not to take offense. I just take it as a way to educate them. And I think yeah. that might be a more productive approach, although like, you know, being discriminated and having insensitive comments thrown at you constantly as a minority really isn't, healthy and and it's also no one's responsibility to educate someone who does not know better but but yeah for me I take the approach of like taking it as an opportunity to educate them yeah and that is something that we talk about at Tech Sisters too because we have lots of women who are the only minorities or the only Muslims in their companies but it's like this very you were saying it it's like this really you have to balance right between educating and then taking on that burden of being the educator. And at some point you have to create a boundary and make it really clear. Like I came here to do a specific job. If you want to have somebody who's a diversity inclusion expert, you should hire that. I'm here to do code. I'm here to do social media, whatever. I'm happy to answer questions to a certain extent, (laughs) but anything else you should bring on a professional. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to go back to what you were saying before about the inclusive social media community that you built and how it's kind of transitioning. I'm wondering if we're sort of seeing social media change in a generational aspect, because I think we're seeing more of Gen Z is having those intentional inclusive conversations, trying to make more of a safe space. Do you feel like social media is in this transition phase? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think personally for me, I took a lot of inspiration from the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. online. I think that was really impactful and I saw how that created a movement worldwide. And I guess that's why I, that's how I realized the power of social media. And I can definitely see the impact of this whole new wave of online youth activism. Because right now in Singapore, like there are a lot more initiatives by the government to, to give platforms for youths to add their opinions. And I thought that was a great move because it means that you know, they are interested and willing to listen to us and take our suggestions into consideration. MashaAllah. That is, that is really, that is very encouraging to see that. And it's even more encouraging when you can actually see those opinions get cited and, and lead to actions, inshallah. Mm-hmm. 
and also very curious because I'm a little bit jealous. Like following that youth built on Leap Pack conversations has exploded. <laughs> so that you're close to your second year and how many are, are you at 8,000 it's higher now I think it's 9,000 we're almost at 10,000 <laughs> mashallah mashallah tabarakallah so what, what's up with that how that happened uh, wow <laughs> I personally don't know and I like it's too crazy to me to think that 9,000 people are following us and you know not just following us, but paying attention to what we do and are taking, you know, all these discussions and conversation starters that we're putting out online, offline. Because mm. I've heard, I've had a lot of friends come and say like, hey, like my friend spoke to me the other day about your Instagram post. And I was like, wow, people really do take social media pretty seriously. You know, like they're actually talking about the things that they see on social media. But I think what, helped us grow really quickly was perhaps timeliness because we started mm. at the time of the general elections and as first-time voters ourselves we didn't see much resources out there that we could understand or relate to about our community so that's why we started it uh, on our own and I guess everyone else felt the same way that they couldn't find such resources so I guess when there's an urgent need the demand and like people just come to it naturally mm. But I think what has made that growth really sustainable is really building relationships. So I, I play the role of community organizer. So I, you know, I build a lot of relationships with a lot of leaders, with organizations. I'm always attending different events, different focus group discussions, just to build relationships with everyone, to understand different communities. And we take our own community very seriously as well. You know, we always say that our DMs are always open. So people are like constantly DMing us. And I think it's really important, you know, even though it's online, it's really important to build that kind of relationship because at the end of the day, we're really dealing with people and their very real stories, very real experiences. And a lot of these are very fragile because we're dealing with difficult topics like say we've, we've, we've talked about polygamy and people have opened up to us about oh you know my my, my dad married another wife and he abandoned us you know yeah, these yeah. are stories that they're painful they're painful and yeah. they're stories that you don't tell to just anyone and we take that responsibility very seriously so we really do make it a point to take care of the relationships that we build through Lepak conversations and I think that's really what allows us to grow and get to know as many people as possible. So your followers, people who are in your audience can have this real sense of trust and knowledge that it's not some anonymous people behind the conversations. Juliana's going to reply to me and she's going to reply in a way that's... <laughs> right, so that's Or maybe that's not another... specifically. <laughs> right, because, okay, that, that's another interesting point because we actually started out anonymously okay. so I, I I still go by the name Anna on the page mm. so it was really interesting to me that you know they did not know who exactly was behind the page but they still trusted us with those stories I mean again I think it just comes down to there has not been a platform that has allowed people to share their stories honestly mm. um, and I think apart from that what was really interesting to me is although this is a platform for the Malay Muslim community, 
we have a lot of allies. You know, we have people outside of the community who follow us, who are very interested in yes. learning, who send us DMs and say, hey, you know, I, I'm trying to understand more about this. Can you tell me more about it? And some of the other things we do is we, we don't only give resources and research and data, we also provide people with actionable steps that they can take. So for mm-hmm. example, they can sign a petition, they can donate to a cause. And I've seen a lot of people who are not from our community who actually do these things and they share about our, our initiatives. And yeah, I think that's that really helps, you know, again, being inclusive really means bringing everyone together. And in this case, even people from outside our community, because we believe that, you know, we need those voices. We need a lot more of those voices to champion minorities. So we're talking a little bit about the minority mindset and how it can be a, a superpower. We said that before the recording. Mm-hmm. So how can how can we get to that level of acceptance where if we are so used to seeing ourselves as the only person or we're so used to our stories not being told, how can we make that shift and start seeing it as our unique ability? Mm-hmm. I mean... I don't, I didn't think much about my identity as a minority really until I got older, I entered the working force and that's where people started pointing out my differences. They told you and about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that felt pretty weird to me. But what, I think what really helped me was having someone who supported me. So it was mm. this very colleague who told me that being a minority is a superpower and she is a minority herself. She is doing great her, great work herself. So I think it's really having someone who you can depend on, someone who supports you. I think having this role model, having the cycle of role model is really important because growing up, I never had a role model. Like, you know, don't, don't talk about, you know, looking at the media and trying to find minority representation. I just couldn't relate to anyone and, and have them as a role model until I met certain quiet individuals in the community who are just doing their work well and I think I felt empowered by them you know I I didn't want to be inspired by people who are on tv I wanted to be inspired by everyday people who are making who are being who are just being themselves in their everyday lives you know I think that's really important being able to feel comfortable in your own skin being able to perform your best in everything that you do yeah, so I think what really helped again was finding um, mentors, role models who looked like me. So my first job was actually an all-female, all-Malay Muslim company, oh, which it's it's really <laughs> rare to find here. Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. <laughs> yes, I'm so thankful, alhamdulillah, because that really shaped me to be who I am today, to see how, you know, mentorship how important that is. And so for me, again, it's it's carrying that on for someone else. So, and I don't think you have to be, you know, an award-winning somebody, you know, with a lot of credentials. I really think just you showing up and doing whatever you do well is should be enough to inspire someone else. And I want to carry that on for every other person because that's kind of how I developed, you know, this thought of being a minority is my superpower. It's it's really because of the people who have already paved the way, who are doing it at the same time as I am. You know, I, I think we really do need a community to be able to uplift one another. 
Yeah. I really like how you're emphasizing that being a role model isn't about winning lots of awards. Mm-hmm. It's about accepting who you are and being really authentic with what you're bringing and all the experiences that you have. And I think a lot of that acceptance comes when, so you're mentioning role models when you can see other people doing it, but I think also when you're more experienced at work and you can see how your different background is actually benefiting you know, the decisions that are being made where you can see like all these men at my company are making one decision. I, the only woman, am thinking about something else and bringing something mm-hmm. else to the table. So I'm really glad that we're bringing that up. So Juliana, we're in the reflective stage of the interview. Okay. So these are just thinking questions. So what is something that you're most proud of? So something that's really meaningful to you, that's really special. It can be personal life or careers, however you want to answer it. Right. So like I said, I I think I I kind of alluded to the fact that I don't see performance-driven achievements as like a metric point. I think for me, I'm proud of the fact that I have a lot to be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah, I love you know? that. Mashallah. <laughs> uh, and, and like, of course, it took me a lot of time to be able to accept this statement because with imposter syndrome and everything, you know, being a minority, being a female, being, yeah, like it's, it's pretty difficult to own up to your achievements. But Alhamdulillah, I think I really do have a lot to be proud of. And, and I say that in the sense that I live every day intentionally and I'm proud mm. of that. You know, I wake up and I, I think I focus on two things. I wake up and I think today I'm going to do something that's going to make a difference. Today I'm going to empower others to find their voice. Empowering others doesn't mean I have to do something grand like, I don't know, give someone a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but to me, empowering someone can just be being kind to a stranger that I see while I'm out or just cheering up a colleague who's doubting herself. You know, I think Mm. those are very small things I can do every single day to empower other people. Yeah. So I think just being able to live intentionally and that's what I'm really proud of actually. Yeah, totally. Even smiling is a sadaka. So it's all these different things. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) What's the, you said you woke up with two driving things. So what's the other thing? Right, so the first one is to make the world a more inclusive place for everyone. Mashallah. Mashallah. I love that focus. And I just, I felt so, so happy for you listening to that, to have that realization, like still so young and so early in your career, Mashallah. It's really, that'll take you far. Mashallah. Mashallah. <laughs> Mashallah. What's something that you regret or you, that you wish you did differently? Well I, I, well, I really don't do well with this, you know, what's one thing? Because I can never choose one thing. Right. <laughs> but actually, actually, I think I try not to regret anything. Mm. And I think it, it's powered by this single thing. It's this one regret I've had in my life. <laughs> I remember it so clearly. And it was this opportunity to, I think it was like a storytelling competition, drama competition, something like that. My senior came up to me and said like, hey, you know, the teachers thought it would be great for this opportunity to do or try it. And, and I was like, uh, let me think about it. And when I think about it, I, I thought I wasn't good enough for it. So mm. I said, no. And he really tried hard to convince me and said, are you sure? Like, you know, we all think that you're the best fit for this. And 
I was just like, no. <laughs> and to this day, I was uh... 15 then, I think. And to this day, I still regret that. And so I think that regret is making me, you know, not do anything that I will regret. And thankfully, I don't think I regretted anything after that. Yeah, I mean, like, like it really taught me a lesson or not to let myself doubt or my fears stop me. Because, mm. you know, if, if I'm going to wait until I'm ready, if I'm going to wait until I'm good enough, honestly, I'm never going to get anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything that teaches you a lesson, even if it's a negative experience, whatever, mm -hmm. if you learn something from it, it wasn't wasted. And for that to drive all these different interactions that you have and your mindset going forward, that's alhamdulillah, a very positive thing. And it's probably more positive than if you had won it and or you know the competition or whatever, because it's pushed you to do so many things. Right. That's such an important perspective, I guess, on successes and failures as well mm. like i i mean i personally see everything as just a learning opportunity i don't think i failed or anything like if i if i make a mistake i can learn from it and move on and do better next time it's all cutter right it's all part of Allah's yes. plan for us so there's nothing that has gone wrong mm. we're all going on that path we're all you know you have to learn and take the lessons along the way yes, or you're yes. going to go through it again <laughs> yes <laughs> and what's something or someone that you're most grateful for Juliana I am going to broadly say my support system because yeah. I, I don't think there's any one person you know that that I can point out because really everyone whom I've met along my journey has really helped me even if it's an acquaintance who randomly replies to my IG stories and say, hey, I really enjoyed this, you know, or, mm. and I'm, I'm always really, mashallah, like I'm so touched when people do actually reach out to me and say, hey, your, your work is making a lot of difference. And I think one of the most humbling things that mashallah people have said to me and continue to say mashallah is that this will be a legacy that I'm leaving behind, that this will inspired change for future generations and mashallah wow mashallah like i mean who is deserving of that that kind of praise but you know again it's all allah's qadar and you know even if i feel like i'm not up to it if he thinks i'm up for it then okay let's go let's go <laughs> yeah <laughs> alhamdulillah mashallah alhamdulillah. and and like that's the thing like he he always puts the perfect people at the mm. perfect time to help. And I think that's, that's really what has been getting me through. SubhanAllah. Those messages mean so much. I, the people who write those, I don't think they have any idea how much it touches. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like there's been a lot of times, especially in the early days of Tech Sisters, where I didn't really know what I was doing. And it was a lot of, a lot of work because there wasn't a team. It was me doing it. And, uh, so there are lots of times where I was just like, uh, I'll just pack it in just one more month and that's it. And then as soon as I would say that, I'd get lots of messages from women saying, this is so important to me. I'm so I glad that Tech Sisters exists and, you know, and then connecting it to Allah. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, he sent those. <laughs> MashaAllah, yes. When they make those du'as for you, MashaAllah, mm -hmm. MashaAllah. And I think what, what has resonated with me recently is, don't praise me, but make du'a for me. Like, I yeah. need your du'a so much more than you praise. <laughs> yeah, but 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 tying back to, to, you know, getting all these 
nice messages and like being able to see the impact of your work. I think maybe being in tech, but being, being in this minority space, it can be quite difficult to see the impact of our work because it's not quantifiable. It's not measurable. It's not tangible. Yeah. Yeah. But Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah has his weights. He will definitely show you like, you know, Alhamdulillah, you're on the right track. Alhamdulillah, yeah. so, so glad to hear about that from you as well. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, when, when you need it, it'll be there. <sighs> Alhamdulillah. So one last thing, Juliana, I know that Leapak Conversations is having a second anniversary soon. Is there anything that you'd like to share about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's our very first time holding an in-person event. Wow. And yeah, mashallah. And I think that's a really important progress for our team as well because we don't want to stay online. We want to build real physical communities where people can come together, exchange stories, learn from one another in a physical space. So I'm really excited for that to happen. We're, we're turning to on the 1st of July. Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Not sure how we got here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm really happy that it's grown so much and that you're sticking around. And I think those in-person events are going to be super meaningful just based on the conversations that you're having already. Inshallah. Inshallah. It's wonderful. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Any uh, advice for anybody who's kind of going through something similar or just something we haven't covered? I think my important points are always to find a support system. I think for a very long time, I felt very alone and having a a support system really helped to change that. Not only because we have people who encourage you, who make you feel good. You know, it's it's not about making you feel good, but I think it's about validating your lived experience, especially as a minority where, you know, you don't see yourself around. You don't know if what you're feeling is true or valid. Yeah, I think just, just... have a support system so that you feel seen as a person so that you can validate your own experiences and own up to your own experiences. Because I think for a very long time, I didn't really, again, I, I, I think I said this earlier, I didn't really identify with the minority aspect of my identity. But when I realized that there's power in leaning to that and sharing my story as a minority, I think that really helped that really helped me to create more of a difference to the people around me as opposed to, you know, kind of ignoring like, I, you know, I, I'm a privileged Muslim woman. My career is fine. You know, I, I don't need to do anything. But when I lean to do that and, and recognize my lived experiences compared to others, I think that, yeah, that really helped to change a lot of things. Yes, mashallah. I think that's perfect. And I think that when we start doing that, we start making space for these stories, but like you've definitely seen, there's this hunger to be validated for people who haven't had that for so long. And then they see somebody being vulnerable and exposing that side of themselves. And there's a huge response to that. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Juliana, for coming on here and for sharing your story with us. I really, really love talking to you. No problem. I really enjoyed this too. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Yuliana's story today. If you've liked this episode or what we're doing at Tech Sisters, please consider following us, leaving a review, or just sharing our content with your communities. Things like that really help us to grow and to reach the people who need to hear these stories. If you are a Muslim woman in tech and you're interested in joining Tech Sisters, our membership form is on our website at tech-sisters.com. It will always be completely free for anyone who is interested in joining. And 
you'll get access to our Slack community, which is a really nice, cozy space. You'll get to uh, ask your questions and meet other women who are going through similar things as you and uh, get a lot of support and friendship. And that's all for me. And I'll see you next week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.